This is the final United We Stand podcast of the 22-23 season, brought to you in association with Betfred. Fred Doan opened his first shop in Salford in 1967. Not a long one, this one. It's just some conclusions and a little updates because a few things have happened since the season ended and it's just with me. Firstly, the takeover, it still hasn't happened. I wrote a piece on Sunday uh, talking of the frustrations from fans as to why it hasn't happened. The fact that it's gone on for seven months, that both bidding parties are also frustrated that it's gone on for so long. Are we absolutely stunned with the Glazers that they're trying to extract every single last drop of juice out of the Manchester United lemon? No, not at all. Does it help Manchester United? No. The club are absolutely adamant that it's business as usual. And I get that on one level. Manchester United have identified targets to sign over the closed season. And there's a lot of frustration around that no players have come yet. I'd actually say be a little bit more patient there. Look where we were this time a year ago. Nobody was really talking about Casemiro, Lissandro Martinez, Anthony, Christian Eriksen, Terrell Malassia. And I remember speaking to someone in the decision-making position a year ago who said to me, the disco, i.e. the transfer window, has just opened we're not going to spend all of our money at nine o'clock at night. It closes at two o'clock in the morning. The fundamentals are that Manchester United have got money to, to spend. I think United also need to move some players on as well. That's common sense. I spoke to a couple of other sporting directors from various clubs and asked for their outside opinion on Manchester United. And they said, well, they've got money, so they're in a strong position. They can afford to wait. It doesn't help that Manchester City won those trophies that other clubs sign players and people get really nervous with good reason because they think we could have a repeat of 2013. No, not winning the league, but when nobody signed until Marouane Fellaini right at the last minute. I don't think for one minute that will happen. I just know that agents have been trying it on with Manchester United. It happened last year. The club felt they were trying to pull the pants down and that Manchester United were going to be tougher negotiators in the transfer market. The opposite of that is Manchester United being pretty awful in recruitment for much of the post-Ferguson era. Some panic signings, some signings which are not being properly thought out. Probably even a couple of signings because of fan pressure. They also didn't work out. So maybe a little bit of patience is needed here because... There are agents and there are clubs who just associate Manchester United with money. And you basically end up with having Alexis Sanchez and Bastian Schweinsteiger. So I trust Eric Ten Hag, as the front cover of the Summer United We Stand says, more power to Eric Ten Hag's elbow. Yeah, he would get frustrated if the position of the takeover doesn't become clearer. I've asked multiple sources and Manchester United do have money to spend in the transfer window. So let's see Let's see what's going to happen there. Season only just finished. I went to my, my last game uh, on Sunday night in, in Rotterdam. The transfer window has only just opened and Manchester United will be absolutely caned if they overpaid. 
Then again, did United overpay on Anthony towards the end of the, the last transfer window? And there's been times where seasons have started poorly and Manchester United have had to jump back in uh, to the to the transfer. I did speak to another sports director who said, you're all forgetting how much Ten Hag's actually done here. How he's got Manchester United to be a very, very good team again already. And I know you want to build on and see your team winning more trophies, but some credit should actually go to the job that's been done so far because nobody was saying that Manchester United would be finishing in the top three at the start of the of the last season. With the takeover, there's so much stuff out there which is poorly sourced, so much journalism done on the balance of probability and it's done because there's a demand for it and people click on it. So if you don't click on it, then it's a chicken and egg, isn't it? On to more serious notes, a couple of people have died who have been very close to our hearts. Gordon McQueen was a defender for Manchester United, for Scotland, for Leeds United. I I knew him well. And when he passed away last week, his family asked if I would speak about Gordon on Sky Television when the news broke. So I did that and I did my best to do that. A lot of people didn't see that outside of the UK. But Gordon was a top man. I first interviewed him partly because everybody said, you've got to go and interview him. And I took a train up to Yarm, where, where he lived, where he lived until he passed away. And he said, let's have a few drinks before the interview starts. Four pints. And then the interview started. A lot more drinks. And the interview was one of the best that I've ever done. He told me his whole life story. Just some incredible tales. Yeah, I know the one you're all talking about. When he's in the bedroom with Kevin Moran. And I'm not going to repeat that. Uh, yes, it's hilarious. And there's many more hilarious stories about Gordon McQueen. Such as the time he pretended to be Leeds United's manager. When he took a call from Bayern Munich's manager. He wanted to sign Joe Jordan. Leeds United had just reached the European Cup final in 1975. Jordan was top striker. McQueen was Leeds United's player of the year a couple of times. And McQueen, pretending to be Leeds United's manager, said, Joe will only come if you take McQueen with him because McQueen is a top defender. And Bayern Munich said, well, yeah, we know he's good, but we've got Franz Beckenbauer. And McQueen, pretending to be someone else, said, he's not fit to lace McQueen's boots. Jordan didn't go to Bayern Munich, neither did McQueen, but they both came to Manchester United. He was a character, Gordon. He was the social convener of a team absolutely full of characters. Big, big characters. Lads who could look after themselves and often did. Once on a trip to Mallorca, Gordon said the following to me. We had a wee bit of a run-in with the American Navy who'd come into Palmer for a few days. They were all like big gorillas. Gordon Mc... Paul McGrath, who was never the most subtle of guys when it came to getting up and dancing, pushed one of the gorillas aside and started dancing with his girl for a bit of fun. Two US Navy guys started getting into McGrath. I was with Brian Robson and we started thinking, oh no. We went over and I left hooked one with a big haymaker. 
Then I hit another with a right-handed haymaker. They both felt it. And I thought, I'm going to get my head kicked in here. Brian Robson thought the same. Except the military police came in and battered the living daylights out of the guerrillas for causing problems. That was his version of it. But as centre-forwards would often testify, McQueen was not to be messed with. Gordon didn't do the after-dinner circuit when he retired, either for a source of income or amusement. He just said, I'd much rather have a few pints with my mates in a pub than sit with 10 strangers round a table. And there wasn't a hint of arrogance in, in that assertion. He just likes the company of the good lads. And the lads were everything to McQueen. And the lads are absolutely devastated that Gordon has passed away. And I'm sure lots of them will, will attend his, his funeral. So rest in peace, Gordon McQueen. Sadly, another person familiar to a lot of Manchester United fans at matches passed away. That's Kevin Peake. Kevin was a very familiar face in his wheelchair at games. So recognisable that Eric Cantona once spotted him after a game and went up to him and said, do you want my autograph? But Kevin Peake from Salford, he froze and he panicked. He said, Eric Cantona's aura was too strong for me. So he said, no. He said he regretted that to this day. I first met Kev at the baseball ground derby, um, 96, I think. And several times I went to games with him and wrote articles about what it's like to be a disabled supporter and to see the challenges that he faced. And he had a lot of good people around him, especially Martin, his, his close friend. Although them two argued like an old married couple a lot of the time. And Kevin would go everywhere and just say, you know, Blackburn away when you're in a wheelchair is actually pretty dangerous because they're placed in front of a, a barrier way end and the fans surge forward when there's goals. But he also talked about disabled facilities improving at Old Trafford and... Kevin had brittle bone disease. He put his body through a lot in the name of supporting his team. He dislocated his elbow at Southampton one year when the, the crowd pushed forward. He panicked and he fell out of his chair. And putting disabled fans by the pitch with no protection was not the answer in the eyes of, of Kevin. And he was often used as a guinea pig for new disabled sections. And he once said to me, if I'm so small, if I can see, then, then anyone, anyone can see. And he once told me that he wouldn't wear colours at Liverpool away. It's too dodgy. It was really bad in the 70s and 80s. You'd get coined in your wheelchair. I was once wheeled past the cop and three stewards had to shield me. At Everton, they put us in between the home and away fans and they threw things at each other and we'd be caught in the crossfire. Kevin was really, really well respected. He'd run a cafe close to, to, to Eccles. And he was a really proud Manchester United fan. And his death has really shocked people because Kevin had not been especially poorly. And we'll miss him. We'll miss him at matches. You would see him at the entrance to Munich Tunnel before games. And he always had a good bit of chat in him. And he was the type of person that makes Manchester United's fan base so special. It's all about community, these real characters. It's not just about the games. And 
Kev lived a good life. He lived to to his late sixties, but he will be absolutely missed from Manchester United. It's not just about the biggest name players who will be coming and going from Manchester United, and the interest in Mason Mount is absolutely concrete. United feel that the stumbling block here is Chelsea. Chelsea's reluctance to sell to a direct rival. Chelsea's potential embarrassment if Mason Mount, who's very popular with Chelsea fans, I was told by the editor of their fanzine, he'd been there since he was six years old, suddenly becomes a big success at Manchester United that would reflect very badly against Chelsea's ownership and Todd Bowley. So Chelsea are trying to push for a big fee and it's not like they are desperate for the money, although there are financial fair play implications for Chelsea. As there are for Manchester United, so I don't think we'll be seeing a window where Manchester United will be spending similar amounts to last year, unless um, a lot of players can be shifted on for top money. Difficult, isn't it? It's been difficult before and it remains to be uh, difficult. Zidane Iqbal uh, will move to Utrecht, top division in Holland, good city. Um, We wish him well, his mum and dad supported him at all the matches they were on the mid-season tour where he played in in Cadiz and in Seville on the pre-season tour where he'd done really well alongside Charlie Savage and a million might seem not a lot of money but let's be brutal he wasn't ready for first team football at Manchester United in the eyes of the people who make those decisions and the sale is loaded with incentives if he is to excel and, and do really well. But Z- Zidane, or Z, as his parents call him, became the first British-born Asian to represent Manchester United. And I think he can be very proud of that. And he's already an international footballer. Plays for Iraq. And I remember a year ago, uh, going to Pakistan because uh, mum's side is um, from Iraq. His mum was saying to me, you should go, I'll get you looked after over there. Well, I did go to Islamabad and met the Pakistani Reds. Um, they were very proud of him because um, Zidane's father is of, of Pakistani heritage. So we wish him all the best. Um, you know, sad that it couldn't work out for him at Manchester United, but it's very, very difficult to establish yourself as a, a young player at Manchester United. We appreciate the support of the sponsors of this podcast. You listen to it for free, so we need sponsorship. And one of the biggest sponsors has has been ExpressVPN. Uh, We actually use it. I use it. It's really good. It's the best VPN that I've ever used. And from their perspective, if you're spending a lot of money on streaming services like Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Prime, we can actually save money if you use ExpressVPN. You can you can cut back because all these streaming services have actually got thousands more shows than you think. You don't see them because different countries give you different shows. So what you see on Netflix in the UK is totally different to what someone in Italy or South Korea sees. So with ExpressVPN, and we've got a special offer for people on this podcast, you can change your online location. Um, ExpressVPN's got over 90 countries to choose from so you can, if you run out of stuff you can just switch to another country and unlock new shows um, 
some of them would be on Netflix in different countries, but not in the UK. For example, you don't need to set up to pay extra and join Apple TV or Prime just to watch it. And on top of that, you can use ExpressVPN to get discounts because some some services cost less in other countries. For example, Netflix in Argentina or Brazil is a lot less than it is in Europe. And as for Netflix, as for ExpressVPN, well, at less than, it's about a fiver a month. It pays for itself and so much more. It seems like a no-brainer if you're interested in a VPN. If you want to get more shows and save money while you're at it, go to expressvpn.com forward slash united. Don't forget to use the link so you can get three months extra for absolutely nothing. That's expressvpn.com forward slash united. Expressvpn.com forward slash united to learn more. So this is the final podcast until... Well, probably pre-season, which starts very soon. I'm going to try and take a week's holiday with family. But July the 9th, heading off towards uh, Scandinavia, going through Gothenburg towards Oslo, where the first game is against Leeds United in Oslo. Uh, On the 12th of July, United have started playing in Norway, and especially in Oslo more in recent years, which is great because the team is so well supported there. Lots of... um, United members, season ticket holders, the Scandinavian Supporters Club do a brilliant job as well. And then there's a game in Edinburgh. And then another one after that is in New Jersey. So it's the US tour with games in New Jersey, uh, San Diego for the the youngsters, but not Zidane Iqbal, uh, against Wrexham. Um, There's a game in Houston, against Real Madrid and a game against Borussia Dortmund in Las Vegas, which is uh, to the delight of some Manchester United fans who are going there. There's a United Con convention there as well, where United fans are arranging to meet up in the days around the game. I know that former players are planning to go to that as well, so check that out. That should be pretty interesting. The Summer United We Stand came out this week. It's in all good news agents and maybe some pretty bad news agents as well. Thanks to everybody who subscribed. 60 pages in there. None of the toxic clickbait mess that you're seeing on Twitter at the moment. Um, lots of original, well-sourced articles. You can download it. Uh, if you're outside the UK, that's probably the certainly the cheapest, but the, the best way of doing it because... Um, You'd wait quite a while to receive a copy, for example, in the US. But for us, it's always best if people buy print. And we love print. And the postal services seem to be getting back to normal a little bit. We sent all the orders out. We will do another mail out uh, next week. So if you just wanted to order the summer special, then PayPal, um, £6. That includes P&P. So uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk. It's all on my um on my Twitter, that's for a UK address. And then we'll be back for what a 34th season. Wolves at Old Trafford, Monday night for the first league game of the season. I think there's still poss- the possibility of a a pre-season friendly at Old Trafford. And by that time, hopefully, Manchester United will have some new signings so that's it try and take a a break from football try and get away from 
the absolute mess on social media. It probably doesn't do your mental health any good whatsoever. And come back next season full of enthusiasm. Hopefully Manchester United will not be owned by the Glazers. Hopefully Manchester United will have a good number nine who scores goals and combines well with Marcus Rashford who we firmly expect to sign a new contract. Hopefully will be couple of other top players as well because you know sometimes when you're so close to it all you your judgment can be blurred but I am told Manchester United and the Premier League is hugely attractive to a lot of players and even top players and I saw the skepticism when Casemiro was linked a year ago and people who are not stupid were saying he'll never come he'll never re- never leave Madrid he's past it Real Madrid won't be selling anyone if he's not past it well, you were all absolutely wrong, weren't you? So put a bit of trust into Eric Tenark. He's got a very good eye for players and he's got some very good people around him as well. Until the next podcast, goodbye.